Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay, open your Bible with me or however you get there in your phone to Song of Solomon. Everyone say Song of Solomon. That's a book in the Bible that we don't often uh, refer to, but I'm so excited to be preaching from there today. And we're kind of building off of last week's relationship message. Last week we talked about relationships in general. Today we're going to be specifically discussing marriage. Everybody go, woohoo, we're talking about marriage. All right. We're happy about that. And because we should be, how many know we should be happy to be married if we're married here? Amen. And the Bible, really, the Bible says so much about marriage. There are chapters everywhere from the very beginning in the book of Genesis all the way through to the end in the New Testament. The Song of Songs specifically is, is a relationship guide, and that's why I'm really excited to talk to you from there today. And today's message is going to be super simple because there's so many things and the series is short. This is super simple, super basic, fundamental on how to stay close and connected when you're married. The Bible teaches us how to do that. And our title today is Real Marriage and Intimate Friendship. A real marriage is meant to be an intimate friendship and it's a lifelong friendship that's filled with intimacy, even physical intimacy. But there's this, there's this intimate friendship that God calls us when we get married. You, it's a one person to become your partner for life. And you just enjoy doing life together. And we, we can learn from God how to do life together. Amen? Now listen, a professor at University of Chicago recently said, I've studied ancient human cultures for 30 years. One conclusion is inevitable. Marriage between a man and a woman was the foundation of all human societies. The Bible begins with the wedding, the wedding of Adam and Eve, and it ends in the book of Revelation with the wedding of Christ and the church. And how many know Marriage is God's idea. Marriage comes from God. Could I get an amen? Now, that's very, very important because you and I can have all sorts of ideas about marriage. And perhaps you uh, um, have gained your ideas about marriage from the culture that you grew up in. So I, I'm, my background is Cuban, so maybe Cuban, or Paso Jose's Puerto Rican, or, or Romanian, or whatever culture that is, sometimes we take most of our cues from our culture, good or bad. In some cases, we learn from examples that are right in front of us, good or bad, you see? But today we have to remember that the Bible is God's relationship guide to us. And since God invented marriage, how many know we need to learn from God what real marriage is all about? How many would say amen to the word of God? And that's why, that's why today's message is so important um, because we're looking at what the Bible says. Now, last week I spoke on real relationships, and one of the leaders in our church sent me a text, and it turns out that his wife is reading a book on marriage. I believe they've probably been married uh, around 20 years or so. I'm not exactly sure. They have a great marriage, and here's an observation I want to make. If you want to have a good marriage, 
you need to work at it. I've observed that the people who have good marriages work at their marriages. They keep reading books. They keep learning. They keep applying the principles of the Bible. And then the people who are struggling, they, they continue to neglect the principles of the word. You see? But in life, how many know you get out what you put in? And marriage is one of those things that you have to really work at and invest in. And so here's this couple that's, they, they love each other. They're doing well together. They're leaders in ministry. And he sends this. This was from, directly from a book that his wife was reading by Gary Thomas. It's called Sacred Influence. And I want to read this quote to you. But I also want to insert a couple of things. So look, look at this. It says, think about this carefully and honestly. As soon as you marry a real man or woman, you're going to have to learn to let go of certain expectations. A real man or woman will be a sinner. A real man will have rough edges. A real man or woman comes with real weaknesses and with gaps in his or her knowledge or ability. If you don't want to be married to a real man, or if you're going to resent the unpleasant fact that your husband is real, not perfect, then don't get married. Amen. Okay? When you marry a real person, you're going to be sinned against. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be frustrated. That's real life. And look at what she wrote. She put real relationships. And so today, we're, we're talking about the reality of marriage. Not the Hollywood version. You know, the reality of marriage, the true blue. What does it mean in the eyes of God to become one to make a covenant with a person and then to live out that life together. Well, again, there are so many things. Today we're going to be looking at some simple, simple things that enable us to strengthen our relationship and to, and to bring a blessing into that journey because it's God's will for us to enjoy the journey together. How many believe that today? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's God's will. Now, we're talking out of Song of Solomon today. And because we don't often visit this book, I want to make a couple of very important points. Okay? <clears throat> so the three, this is right out of one of my favorite um, Old Testament survey books in my library. And uh, here's what Norman Geisler says. There are three, there's a threefold purpose to the book. The historical purpose is that the song aims to teach the sanctity and beauty of marriage as God intended it. In other words, there's the world's way, there's the culture's way. I just said this, but then we're focusing today on God's way. That's what we want to do right now. Number two, doctrinally speaking, it affirms monogamous love as God's ideal for mankind and reveals the intense union between lover and beloved. God wants us to love each other intensely and passionately, and Song of Solomon uh, speaks to that at length. Then Christologically speaking, Christ is in every book of the Bible. Solomon's love for his bride is a most beautiful illustration of Christ's love for his church. And so our marriages is supposed to be an example of the love that Jesus has for his church, the body of Christ. Our marriage is meant to be a powerful witness to this world. There's something really powerful when two people love each other and care for each other the way God intends for them to do so. So we're going to go ahead and now jump into just a couple of verses that we're going to read here. Uh, um, and by the way, there's this cycle that you see all throughout the, the book of Solomon. And I also want to say this. We're reading from Song of Solomon chapter 2. And the reason why we're reading from chapter 2 is because the further you go on in the book, the more things get heated. And so we just want to keep this kind of like PG, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but God, God loves it when we love each other passionately. Amen. 
That's God's will. It's God's way. Okay? But look at this. You're going to see this, this constant cycle. Okay? So first it says, my dove in the clefts of the rock. So just right here, brothers, I picked up a new name for my wife from now on when I'm going to see her. I'm going to say, hi, my dove. See, you even get lines from the Bible. How many know the Bible's good? Right? My dove. So you get points right there, guys. Okay? My dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside. Listen to this. Show me your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Now, verse 15, look at me for a moment. Verse 15 is actually sort of like a hinge for this. This is kind of like the possibilities of good or bad in a, a marital relationship. Look at what it says here. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyard, our vineyards that are in bloom. In other words, our marriage should be like a beautiful vineyard, like a beautiful garden. Then, uh, th so that's what he says. Then here's what she says. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He browses among the, uh, among the lilies until the day breaks and the shadows flee. Turn, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the rugged hill. She's saying, come to me. I want you to be with me. So here's what I want to do. I want to unpack just these few verses here, but here's what I'm asking everyone, especially if you're married. Here's what I'm asking you to do. What I'm asking you to do is to be open. I'm asking you to set aside for today, for the next 30 minutes, set aside your past, set aside your present, and just open up your heart to what the Word of God has to say. If you're dating here, I want to say this up front. If you're dating here, if you intend on getting married, okay, this is very, very important. You must learn from the Word of God how to be married. In fact, we've, Chrissy and I have not uh, hidden the fact that when we first got married, we had a lot of problems. Part of the reason that we had difficulties, the main reason we loved each other, but the main reason was is that we never got premarital counseling. And so we weren't prepared. We didn't understand what, what makes marriage work, what, makes, what works against marriage, what does the Bible says produces a healthy relationship, what kinds of things bring about unhealthy, what are the ways that the devil wants to get in and trick you into being enemies when you should be friends. And so if you want to get married, I want to strongly encourage you, make sure you go through premarital counseling. At this church, we will not do a wedding if people won't go through premarital. Because we feel like it's that important, right? Like, like you'll go to the, you'll, you'll, you'll get the book and you'll, you'll read it and pass the learner's permit test and you'll take the test for the, and we go through all kinds, we'll, we'll get certified in a million ways and then some people are too busy to learn how to get married. And I want to suggest to you, it is so vitally important to learn up front. How many would say amen and amen to that? So we want to encourage you. The Bible is so, so powerful and so instructive and enlightening when it comes to the Word of God. So it's important that we take the time to learn. But right now we're going to pray. And look, if you're single here, please listen and learn. Because this is so fundamental, so true. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. And we thank you, Lord, for this time that we could come together, worship you, honor you, love you, Father. Be with one another. And God, learn from your word. Your word, oh God, it gives us light. It shows us the way that we should go. And I pray for an openness of heart today. I pray that regardless of the past and even regardless of the present, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say 
and that you would build every marriage and every future marriage in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father, that our marriages would be shining examples of the love that you have for your church. Bless this word. Bless our time. Bless every home we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. amen. And amen. Now, um, this text talks about little foxes. Everyone say little foxes. Little foxes are, if I could put it this way, the little sins of marriage. Okay? Little foxes. He says, catch for us the little foxes that spoil the vine or the, or the vineyard. When you're married, you have, to be, you have to pay attention. Most marriages are ruined not by gigantic things, but by little things. You see, and when the little foxes of marriage are ignored, they turn into big monsters. They don't start out that way. 95, 98% of the time, okay, when people get married, especially if they're in the Lord, but even when they're in love, when people get married, they want to have a good relationship what erodes a marriage, the way the devil destroys a marriage, is he begins by cutting loose these little foxes. Imagine having a beautiful garden and these little foxes come and they're eating everything. That's what the devil does. In the past, I would say catch the little foxes without recognizing that in marriage at times, we don't treat each other the way we ought to and we don't call, them, we don't call that sin. So I believe that little foxes are like little sins that keep perpetuating and little behaviors that are not God-honoring. Now, a marriage that is full of attention, affirmation, and affection. Everyone say those three with me. Ready? Attention, affirmation, and affection. A marriage that is full of attention, affirmation, and affection keeps out little foxes. In fact, what you're going to notice, and this is all throughout the book, what you're going to notice is that that's where the little foxes attack. They attack in the areas of attention, affirmation, and affection. This is the way he eats away at our, at our relationships, at our homes. This is the way he comes in. And so we have to pay attention to the little foxes and they, they revolve around these three things, attention, affirmation, and affection. So with that said, real marriages requires, a real marriage requires attention. Everyone say attention. attention. Notice my dove in the cleft of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside, Show me your face. Let me hear your voice. This is calling for attention. Everyone say attention. We have to pay attention. Paying attention is a gigantic issue. It's simple. It's actually not that hard. But so many people get married and then they're like, Roommates, they're like they're like they're like people who live in the same building, and they walk by and go, "Hey, what's up?" And they just walk by and they don't pay attention. But if we're going to have a healthy relationship, we have to pay attention. So look, attention is a multifaceted issue. Here's some basic examples of how to pay attention when you're married. Number one, we have to listen to words spoken and unspoken. Okay, we have to listen to what people are saying and what they're not saying. Here's a classic example. How many know, brothers, when you get home, if you say, hi, honey, how you doing? And she goes, I'm fine. <laughs> how many know that means she's not fine? <laughs> Pay attention. If you walk by and go, oh, that's great, awesome, glad you had a great day. How many know, no bueno, guys. You missed it. 
You have to pay attention. We have to dial in to our spouse. Okay? Here's what happens when you dial into your spouse. You observe their countenance. Okay? We have to observe our spouse's content, countenance. People, everyone has a countenance. You walk into a room, you, all you have to do is look at someone's face and it'll tell you something about them because we all have a countenance. Now, here's the amazing thing. As parents, we become experts at this. Our kid walks in the house, they could be seven, they could be 12 or 15, they walk by, you say, hey, hey, what's up or whatever, they walk by, what's wrong? No, everything's fine. They walk by, you say, come back over here. Something's wrong and I need to know what's wrong. How do you know? You just look at their face. We're more sensitive at times to our children than we are to our spouses. And I want to declare today that before God, we need to know that other than God, our spouse is number one. Above our children, above our family, above our mom, above grandma, even abuela. You know, family is great, but not above your spouse. Amen. I know you're afraid to say that, but it's the truth. I know. And lots of people have lots of problems because family goes above spouse. No, how many know your spouse goes first? Could I get an amen in the name of Jesus? Amen. I saw some of you go like this. I know. But listen, this is where the Bible is, is smarter and better than culture. Okay, I don't care about the, the last 400 years of your culture. The Bible is smarter. We have to do things God's way. And God says, for this reason, a man leaves. Everybody say leaves. A man leaves his father and mother. And is joined together to his wife. And the two shall become one. And what God has joined together, let no man, no person, no aunt, or uncle, titi, china, Nobody. You know, my father used to have a saying. He used to say, everybody to their own corner. Cada cual paso esquina. Meaning, look, everybody does their family their own way. How many would say amen? amen? We have to pay attention, and that means that they are first. They're above the job. They're above the ministry. You know, speaking of ministry... So when I was in Bible school, I read a book. Actually, I read a couple of books by A.W. Tozer. This is a very important point here. So I read a book by, a couple of books by A.W. Tozer. Changed my life. Powerful. And then years went on. Actually, I'm still reading books by him. I'm reading a book by him right now. And so, but years went by, and I actually read his biography. And then I discovered something that was pretty disappointing. And I want to learn from this. We all need to learn from this. Okay? So it turns out that this great man of God who penned books that literally have impacted, has impacted millions of lives, when it came to his home and his family, he was very negligent. He would just make decisions without talking to his family. He would move or take a position or whatever. And here's what happened. So he went on to die on the early side, and his wife remarried. And they interviewed his wife, and they said, how are you doing? And she said, I'm doing great. She said, my first husband loved Jesus, and my second husband loves me. And let me tell you something. It is a fallacy. It's not true to say that you're so in love with Jesus that you don't have love for the closest people around you. How many would say amen? When you're really in love with Jesus, you have enough love for everyone around you, especially your spouse. Can I get an amen? amen. And so sometimes we even, we even start to spiritualize. Can I tell you something? The ministry is not more important than my wife. Now, my wife is not going to, if my wife is with me, she's gonna, not going to cause me to compromise my call. But they don't compete with one another. They complement one another. How many would say amen? 
And that's always the truth. And so we have to pay attention and we have to be dialed into one another. Here's a couple, a couple more very quickly, okay? <clears throat> attention means that we discern what's important to them in a given moment, okay? It means that you're so dialed into your spouse that you can discern when something is really important to them. This is a huge opportunity in, in marriage. When you discern that something is important to your spouse and you act upon that and you're like, wait a second, this may not be the biggest deal to me, but this is big to, to them and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna participate this with my whole heart. You know what I mean? Because they, because it's important to them, I'm gonna make it important to me. When you do that, your spouse gains a very significant appreciation of you. They become grateful, you see? And we're all like that. When, you, when you're going through it, which brings me to the last thing, we have to be sensitive to the pressures that they're facing. How many have a friend that's like, yo, my friend, when I was going through it, they stuck with me thick and thin. That's my man, that's my boy, yo, yo that's my boy. Right, we say that about our friends and we forget that it's the same thing with our spouse. And so it is a huge opportunity when something is important to them to drop everything and make that important thing that whatever is important to them, make it important to you, to you. You'll be amazed at how that grows, their appreciation and, and their estimation of you because of the energy that you've put out for them. That means that you pay attention. It means that you're like, can I tell you, sometimes the wisest thing you could do, you see this, be sensitive to the pressures that they're facing. Sometimes the wisest thing that you can do, my wife is a, has been over the years a champ at this. You know, the wisest thing you could do is pray for your spouse and leave them alone that day. <laughs> you know, like you let them off the hook because you're like, you know what you need? You need to rest today. You know what you need? You need to to go for a walk or you need this and I just wanna do whatever helps you. That only happens when we pay everyone and we have to pay attention. Little things, big things. I've, I've been joking all day about the fact that Christy and I were with Pastor Edgar and Christy recently and, um, and I didn't know this I mean, I kind of knew it, but I kind of like really got to see it. So Pastor Edgar's a bit of a neat freak. And, um, but so is Christy. She's a neat freak. And um, so I was, I was asking them, so you mean like when you guys were dating, Christy, you were going home going, thinking like, oh, he's so organized, <laughs> you know? And, and sometimes when you're married, you both like the same things, but sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're, you're opposite. In fact, sometimes God puts opposites together because you complement each other. Your strengths are part of your spouse's weakness, and, and, and your spouse's strengths complement your weaknesses. And so together, we pay attention and we support one another. How many would say amen? Hallelujah. And so the first thing is, if you want to have a healthy marriage, you have to pay attention. Number two, when you want to have a healthy marriage, okay, a real marriage requires affirmation. Everyone say affirmation. affirmation. Okay, notice this. It says, he's saying to her, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. That's affirmation. Okay, what's a woman's greatest need? Her greatest need is security. And a woman feels security in one of the most gigantic ways is attention and affirmation. So it shouldn't be difficult for us to say, good morning, how you doing, honey? You are so beautiful. And all the brothers said, You just missed an opportunity, guys. You could have had like 14 points just right there with one amen, okay? 
How many know? But it's something, it's so funny how we can, we're, we're in the practice of certain things and then we fall out of practice. We stop saying, you are beautiful. Or, I love your hair. How many know when they get a haircut, you gotta notice? You're like, they walk through the door, you gotta go, wow. If you move your head like this, you get double points for that one. You gotta notice, you know? In the beginning, I was like, honey, you're beautiful no matter what, that doesn't work. Say, wow, what a great hair, oh my goodness. It's amazing. Affirmation, everybody say affirmation. But look, it goes both ways because he says, your voice is sweet, your face is lovely. But then she says, my beloved is mine and I am his. In other words, she said, that's my man right there. That's Chicago translation, but I only know the man needs affirmation too. The man needs encouragement. Men thrive off of encouragement from their spouse, from their wife. It's a big deal. You know, I, I noticed when, um, when Chrissy and I first started dating and I was around her family, I noticed that whenever we would go out to dinner, after dinner, the whole family would always thank her dad. They would always say, thank you for dinner, dad. You know, thank you. In other words, thank you for working so that we could come out and, and enjoy this dinner. Thank you for working and for paying for it. And I remember I watched how Carol used to do it. And it made me think of when I was growing up, my mom used to do it different. We didn't go out to a lot of restaurants when I was a kid, but here's what my mom used to do. Okay, we used to sit around the table and when we used to sit down, my mom always fed my dad first. And if we, if we you know, when the pork chops are out, you gotta grab that thing. <laughs> but when I used to, my mom used to go, He goes first. You know why? Because he worked and he brought, he brought the check-in so that we could have a meal. How many know that's still a good thing for us to do? How many would say amen? Small affirmations. And here's, here's, here's the way I want to challenge everyone here. Okay, I want to challenge you. This is something that if you just start practicing, you can get better in. And it doesn't matter if, if they could send out the, the keyboard player. It doesn't matter if you would say, well, I didn't grow up like that and that's not my personality. Stop it right there. Doesn't matter what your personality is. How many know when God says do something, we do it regardless of our personality. Can I get an amen? And so what that means is, is that you have to start to practice, in some cases, being affirming. So many people miss out on the joy and on the blessing of a godly, uh, happy, loving relationship because they say, well, you know already, I don't have to say it. Oh, yes, you do have to say it. You do. You have to open your mouth and say, thank you, I appreciate you. Here's what affirmation means. It means that you're verbally, everybody say verbally, and visually, everyone say visually. It's verbal and it's visual. It's verbally and visually supportive and generous. You wanna, you wanna bless your marriage, just start being verbally and visually generous. Okay, it means that you show your appreciation. And it's not that hard. How many know, look, in the same way you can, you can put a front, all right, I want everybody to try something, go like this. Go ahead, go ahead, I know you, you like it anyway. Okay, now go like this. See, same, same energy. This is way better for marriage. Just think about waking up tomorrow. What do you want to wake up to? <laughs> you know? It's like, uh-oh. You know? 
No, we have to be affirming from Jump Street. I had a man of God say this to me. He said, hey, Al, you, wanna, you, you need to remember this. He says the real work starts. He says the real work starts. Even if the, you have to get home at 5 o'clock and walk around because you've had a tough day, you got to shake off the tough day because the real work begins at 5 o'clock when you get home from work. How many would say amen? Hallelujah. That means that we work at being kind. We figure out a way to be kind. We figure out a way to say something nice. I'm going to give the last point, but i got to tell you real quickly this story. So... Christy and I were dating. Act, no, we were, we were already engaged. And uh, I preached at a church in Manhattan. And um, it was the worst sermon in the history of sermons. <laughs> and, um, I mean, it was so bad. Um, and I remember that there was a sister in the front row, and she was going like this. She was like, please give me one thing so I can at least say amen. So anyway, poor thing. We, so I preached the bomb of bombs, okay? And um, it's funny. In fact, every time I read, I'm not going to tell you the text, but every time I read that text, I get like a little shake. Like, so, but God is helping me through the trauma, you know what I mean? So look, so we get in the car, right? And we're driving from Manhattan to Brooklyn because there was church that night in Brooklyn. And, um, you know, we're like engaged. She got the ring on. And, um, and I'm looking at her and she's going like this. <laughs> the poor girl, she's trying. She's trying. She's like, she's like sweating. She's like trying to like, she, it was one of those things that, you know, sometimes you affirm by not saying anything because there's like, she was like, I'm not going to say anything. But I could tell she was, like, stressed. I was like, Chris, go ahead, tell me. Tell me what's wrong. And she went, ah, it was terrible. <laughs> and I was just laughing. I just appreciated that she fought for that hour and a half to the thing. And didn't even, she was, like, trying the poor thing. I was like, listen, don't worry about it. I'm suffering more than you. <laughs> she was trying to just be so nice. I was like, that's the girl for me right there. You know, how many are thankful for a merciful spouse? Be merciful. Sometimes the most affirming thing you could do is don't say a word. Just be chill. So how do you build a strong marriage? Attention, everybody say attention. attention. Affirmation, everybody say affirmation. affirmation. And then the last thing is affection, everybody say affection. Okay, affection. Look how this passage ends. She says, until the day breaks and the shadows flee, turn, my beloved, and be like a gazelle, like a young stag on the rugged. She's like, I need you right now. And it's God's will for us to be affectionate. Okay, when a marriage is healthy, there's affection. By the way, Chrissy was talking about kids and how kids need to see us worship. Let me tell you something. Kids need to see us be affectionate. They need to see dad give mom a kiss on the mouth and hug her all the time. How many would say amen? One of the... One of the guys on staff told me that when he was a kid, his dad used to chase his mother around the kitchen table like he would just go after her. She'd be like, get away from me, you know? And how many know that's the way it ought to be? We should be passionately in love with each other. Affection is God's will. And, and, and you know, I just saw my, my little with my little, my youngest grandson. Actually, I saw all three of them today. First thing I did when I saw them, I was like, come here. And I'm just hugging them and kissing them. Why? Because I love them so much, right? Well, we should feel that same affection toward our spouse. Obviously, it's different, but a deep affection every single day. 
When you wake up or before you go to before you go to bed tonight, listen, hug your spouse three times. Everybody say three times. Three hugs will take care of so much. You know? When you wake up in the morning, wake up and hug your spouse. Give them a hug. It's right. Hugging someone is so powerful. How much more should we hug our spouses every day, many times in a day? Affection is a big deal. And look, look at what Tim Keller said about this particular issue. He said, our culture says that feelings of love are the basis for actions of love. Okay, in other words, it's all about feelings, but watch this. And of course that can be true, but it is truer to say that actions of love can lead consistently to feelings of love. This is how you mature when you get married. This is how love matures. See, in the world, it's all about your feelings. See, but in the kingdom of God, it's about your commitment. And so here's how Tim Keller said it about ministry, and then I'm gonna switch it to marriage in a moment. I was actually there in New York when he said this. He said, when I, he says, when you're called to be a pastor, I heard this like 30 years ago. He said, when you're called to be a pastor, you're called to love people that you don't know, and you're called to love people that maybe even in the natural, you may not even get along with. And he says, so I asked the Lord, how do I love people like that? And you know what the Lord spoke to him and said? He said, act like it. And here's what that means. It means that there could be someone that you might even feel conflict towards, but if you go over and give them a hug, it's just hard to stay mad at someone you hug. There's something powerful about making the choice to love someone. And what we need to do is keep making the choice to love our spouse, and then your marriage grows and matures, and then the little things, those little foxes that tend to separate, you say, get out of here, I'm gonna hug you anyway, I love you. I'm not gonna let that little thing that she said or that he said, I'm not gonna let that little thing that happened, you know, yesterday or two days, I'm not gonna let that separate us. Come on, I love you. You see, so watch, attention. Affirmation, affection leads to passion. People who have a passionate marriage, it's the first three that lead to a passionate marriage. You can't have a passionate marriage without the first three. And a lot of times people say, I don't know what's wrong with my marriage. I'll tell you what's wrong on a day-to-day -day basis, okay? We're not paying attention. On a day-to-day -day basis where we're not practicing affirmation, on a day-to-day -day basis, simple things like affection. I, I want to start a revolution in church. How many think that, that couples should hold hands? Amen? What a revolution. Hold hands. Throw your arm around your spouse. Right? We should walk hand-in-hand hand together in the mall. Pastor Jake, I'm going to... Two things. Pastor Jake was telling me yesterday, he was like, he was like, I was crossing the street and there was this woman with the baby in the crib, in the stroller and one in, and then she was with her husband and her husband had a child. It looked like it was a husband. So they were about to cross and he was like, like kind of tuned out. And uh, so Pastor Jake saw that he wasn't sure if they were together or not, but he saw the stress, so he kind of stood in the street and stopped the car so that they could cross. And he was like, oh, snap, I caused her. Because she went. <laughs> he was like, oh, man. You know? And on the contrary, one little thing. Remember, holding the door. One little thing like, no, honey, you go first, or just little tiny things, you know, can make such a gigantic difference over the long run. See, it's a journey together. Now, I want to pray in a moment, but maybe you're here. Maybe you're here, and there's some, uh, let's just say some stiffness. <laughs> some 
some difficulty, some strain in your relationship. What do you do? What do you do when there's strain in your relationship? Well, I wanna declare this. A Christian marriage, a Christian marriage has the best chance out of any marriage on the planet, and here's why. Because we have the blood of Jesus to cleanse and restore and renew. That's the difference maker. The difference maker is that Jesus, if you invite him in, he'll tear down the wall. The devil builds up the wall. How many know the blood of Jesus tears down the wall? The devil builds up the wall. The blood of Jesus tears down the wall. How many are thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ here today? And so we invite the blood of Jesus. And we say, here's what has to happen. And then we'll close with this. Okay? How do you fix a marriage that's broken? Resentment has to be replaced with refocus. Instead of resenting for what's gone down, take a fresh look at your spouse and build from today forward. We've got to refocus. We've got to get back to looking at them the way God wants us to see them as opposed to resenting them. In the name of Jesus, invite the blood of Jesus in so that the resentment will be gone. Number two, contention has to be replaced with encouragement. So a lot of times we actually will say, okay, it's over. But if we don't learn how to replace contentious talk, we're talking to each other like we're enemies. How many know your spouse is not your enemy? That's the devil's lie. The devil says that they're your enemy. They're not your enemy. They're your intimate, lifelong friend forever and ever until you see him face to face, until you get to heaven. How many would say amen? amen. Lastly, distance has to be replaced with tenderness. There should always be a softness between us, and the Spirit can do it. I want all the marriages to stand right now. If you're married, if you would indulge me, just allow me. We want to pray. Wow, lots of marriages. Hallelujah, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, last week we called up all of the single people. Come on, come on. If you're married, just come on, make your way to the altar. We're going to pray together. It's all good. Come on, come on, you. Hallelujah. Lord, I need thee. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. Everyone else stand. Let's sing to the Lord. Lord, I need Lord, I need you. Oh. 
you to reach out your hand towards this altar right now and we're going to begin to pray we're going to ask for the blood of jesus to sweep over every relationship father we claim the blood of jesus we plead the blood of jesus over every marriage god years of 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 hurt or resentment or pain god today at this altar here and now we thank you that your blood is able oh god to cleanse and renew by your mighty power oh god wash away oh god the hurt wash away bitterness god in the name of jesus remove the bitterness oh god at this altar right here and right now by your mighty power, oh God. And God, we pray that you, oh God, would teach us how to pay attention, oh God. We pray for wisdom, oh God, for sensitivity that we would pay attention. God, we pray right now. Come on, ask the Lord. God, make us affirming. Give us words of affirmation, oh God. Help us to open our mouths and say, oh Lord, kind things, Lord, helpful things, encouraging things, Lord God. Make us encouragers in our home, oh God, by your mighty power. And God, we pray. God, we pray for affection to flood our homes. We pray for supernatural affection to be released, oh God. Restore by your mighty power what you intended, oh God, the day we said yes to you at that altar. Do it, oh God. We thank you. We praise you, God. We give you glory because we know that the victory of our marriages belongs to Jesus. And we claim that victory right now in the name, above every name, the name of Jesus. So God, release your people, oh God, to be close to you and close to one another in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. Hallelujah. Now listen. Listen. I just got instructions. I was going to say that. I want everyone to turn, give your wife a hug and a kiss on the mouth. All right, come on.